Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Have You Seen? We're back for our second show. Mariella, well, you're back. You've come back for more. I know. It's unbelievable, really, isn't it? I struggled last week to get a word in edgeways because every second sentence was when I ran BBC One, when I ran ITV. But the good thing about that is that my swear jar, which I've now set up for the whole series, is actually bulging. And um, I'm very much hoping to add to it again this week. <laughs> Thank you for feedback, by the way, to our listeners. We've had a, uh, an email from a listener, Susanna. Really, really nice to hear from you. She says she agrees with Mariella that the repetitive of nature does. of reality TV uh, can become so dull. Well, we, we might talk about that again a little bit later. But she also says, thank you for the podcast. Really enjoyed the first episode. And Rob Rinder uh, is always a joy to listen to. Our guest last week, he is always a joy to listen to. Just one thing about your email. Susanna you don't mention me um, and that makes me wonder maybe I've been a little bit too reticent and maybe <laughs> not mentioned often enough my, my my background as a channel controller and a top TV executive. Oh, yes, what, what the you, cocktails what, are on me this what, week what too. What do you think Mariella? <laughs> shall, I, um, shall I be a bit more kind of you know push myself forward a bit? Forthcoming about your credentials. Haven't hmm. forfend Peter. There's a limit to how much we can take. Um I think probably best not. Now, listen, the thing is, Susanna doesn't mention you because the words, I agree with Mariella, are writ very large they at the top there. They do come screaming out. To be honest, I was trying to think about this the other day, Peter. Have we ever agreed about anything? I thought we've agreed to do this podcast together. That's that's a start. That's yeah. a start. <laughs> but uh, seriously, we would love to hear from you. Um even if you just want to make fun of Peter, for example. I mean, that's perfectly legitimate reason uh, to get in touch and indeed very welcome uh, in terms of from yours truly here. Um, I'd be thrilled to read those messages or anything else you have to say. To be quite honest, I have got sort of armour plating. So if you do disagree with me, uh, then that's all right as well. So, uh, yes, send us an email or you can get in touch via our socials or WhatsApp us. All the info is in the description. And we are going to be looking at yet another formatted show this week. We're going to be looking at the return of Big Brother. And I know you disagree with me, but if you were able just briefly to remove uh, the BBC One controller hat, would you not be able to look at what I'm saying about reality shows and try and understand that it is possible 
that many of them have run their course in terms of formatting, and it's time that we did something a bit well, different. I, I'm not, I, I, I would I would agree with that actually, but uh, but I think that all genres. Uh, are kind of capable of reinvention if clever enough people reinvent them in particular ways. But I also feel that the nature of television is that as we watch it, we'll we'll form different views. And, you, you know, we're making a mistake if we think because we think this, therefore everybody else will think this. Well, we, you don't say know that. we don't know everybody else. You say that, but um, I'd just like to point out that Susanna agrees with me. So it means yeah. that I think this and everyone else agrees with me and you don't. Is she actually a friend of <laughs> Hi, Mum. So this week we're going to be talking about the reboot of Frasier on Paramount Plus and about Steve Coogan's chilling performances, Jimmy Savile in the BBC drama The Reckoning. And we're going to be talking about the return of Big Brother on its new home, ITV. I'm delighted to say that our guest this week, who I'm hoping is going to agree with me on everything, is the fabulous uh, Steph McGovern. Uh, Not only is she the host of the BAFTA-nominated Steph's Packed Lunch on Channel 4, she's also just launched a new podcast, The Rest is Money, which she co-presents with Robert Peston. And Steph, I have to welcome you to the show and say that you are a perfect guest because uh, I I understand it's quite difficult to get a word in edgeways with Robert Peston. I actually did a show with him the other day. (laughs) and and, and, and found even myself struggling to get in a syllable. Um, He's almost as bad as as Peter Fincham. Yeah, that is true. Actually, they're very similar on that front. You're right. Like I've spent many a lunch with... uh, with uh, Finchie, as I like to call him, and Peston. I don't know why I've kind of reverted to only calling them by their surnames. I think it's a respect thing. No, no, no. Uh, I think it's better. Not. It puts some distance <laughs> between you and them. Yeah, yeah. But honestly, you do. You, you hear their, I mean, very colourful anecdotes of their lives, but they do go on a bit, don't they? But we love them. <laughs> <laughs> We're not here to talk about Peter, much as he'd like us to be. Um, we are We are here to talk about this week's telly. And um, we want to talk to you, first of all, um, about... Fraser, because 18 years after he left our screens, Fraser Crane has re-entered the building, as it were. The all-conquering hit sitcom is back in this new chapter of his life. Fraser returns to Boston, where his now grown-up son, Freddie, lives, and Fraser is determined to forge a closer relationship with him. Freddie seems rather less sure about this idea. Can I help you? Freddie! Surprise! Dad! You're at my door, (laughs) unannounced. Now, there's a shorter way to say that. Surprise! (laughs) Alongside the seemingly ageless Kelsey Grammer, viewers in the UK will notice that Fraser's old college buddy, Alan Cornwall, is played by none other than Nick Lyndhurst of Rodney Trotter fame. Um, So what do we think of this reboot? I have to admit before we get started, that I've only watched, I mean, a very small handful of the original series. Steph, are you a big Frasier yeah, fan? I, I, I really enjoyed Frasier growing up. It was one of those like, you know, shows that you'd kind of watch when I, when I got back from school, a bit like Neighbours. Frasier was also oh, She's so young, Peter. One of them. <laughs> I, I, can I just say, I'm very nervous of speaking at all. I so don't want to be accused of being impossible to interrupt. Oh, he's all hurt. I'm just sitting here in silence, biting he's my sulking. lip. Sulking. <laughs> well, I quite like I it when that. you're sulking. Go on, Steph. Yeah. No, so I really loved it. So, and I'm, I don't know, I'm a bit of a purist. I don't really like reboots necessarily because I always think they're a bit 
I don't know, a bit cringy. Uh, and I think like Frasier back in the day, I had it nailed with, you know, like the, the characters of Niles and Daphne and they're not even in this revival. But then I thought maybe that's a good thing in the sense of they're not trying to recreate it all. They're putting Frasier in a new setting-ish and therefore, you know, it's it's him that's kind of been put somewhere else. And I think that does work when you're doing a reboot. It's when you recreate everything. Although Nicholas Lindhurst, I mean, that's a bit of a touch of genius, isn't it? He's he's a brilliant actor. He's playing a kind of uh, this English academic getting towards the end of his career. He's he's ridiculously dressed. He's dressed in the way that Americans think that British professors <laughs> dress. With it's so about true. Three waistcoats and bow ties and and silly silly kind of you know jackets. But and have things. you noticed that they do that with Stephen Fry in the morning show as well? He's all tweed jackets and like just clothes that nobody you, wears anymore you, apart you from Jacob Rees-Mogg. You sometimes wonder whether they've <laughs> actually exactly whether they've actually been to Britain. But I I have to say there are a million ways of making a mess of a revival or a reboot, and I think Frasier manages to avoid them all. I think it's brilliant. It took me about an episode to get you. There's a bit of exposition in the first episode, but you've got to meet these new characters. Yes. And where we had his brother, we now have his son, Freddie, who dropped out of Harvard to become a firefighter. Um, so he's sort of gone, you know, kind of a blue-collar route, if you like, which is a terrible thing for Frasier. He can't understand how his son wouldn't want to stick it out at Harvard. It's brilliantly done comedically. And Frasier's always been a slightly surprising mainstream show because it's set in... He's a psychiatrist and he's a professor at Harvard, but, but I think it's completely relatable. Yeah, but but it's not, not, it's not just that he's a psychiatrist and he's a, you know, he's in this, he's a, he's a, a professor at Harvard. But I mean, some of the lines, I mean, it, it is quite, a, it is quite a sort of, half the humour comes from the intellectual snobbery in it. I think, you know, lines like, the only girls we could ever curl up with are the Bronte sisters. You know, it, a lot of it relies on people getting the, the, the references. I was watching some of the old uh, programmes just in order to get myself in the mood and <laughs> things like it's all water under the pont nerf and you just think how on earth does that play out on primetime but I think that one of the interesting things about this is that there is this notion this patronizing notion that people won't watch certain things in primetime and I think what it does on a broader scale is prove that people aren't don't need to be patronized to the extent that they often are yeah, and I also think as well, like you're, you're right, because what, you know, as a girl growing up in a deprived town in Middlesbrough, you would wonder what it is that I see in Fraser and, and enjoyed in it when he is like pompous and everything else. But I think it's when you see all the kind of self, the, the insight into the, his flaws and everything else. And then, you know, that view of, oh, actually, that, that this is someone who might look like they have it all, but actually makes mistakes and funny mistakes all the time. And I, I don't know, I think that's quite nice to you, watch as a viewer. Do you miss any of the old cast, Peter? Because I think you were probably a bigger fan, or you watched more yeah, of it than I did. You're basically saying I'm older than Steph. No, and no, therefore no, I'm not, nothing you know, to do with age. I, I'm almost ex- <laughs> by the way, I'm almost exactly the same age as Kelsey Grammer, as it happens. But this isn't about what, me. That old guy. It really <laughs> isn't about me. But he hasn't aged, by the way. Like, like, he, he looks better. You could complete that sentence with saying neither of you. Uh, yeah, I could. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> Kelsey Grammer, he literally hasn't aged yeah. in any of this. Make- makeup's like, a wonderful I thing. I don't know how old he was meant to be, though, in the original series. Like, kind of, wasn't he, in his... he was in his 40s, but he was kind of an oldish 40s. Yeah, but also yeah. the mullet is a friend to no man. 
<laughs> it's back though, the mullet. My God. Yeah, I'm growing mine. Yes, but you can get away with anything when you're 16, 17, but I think not when you're 60. And I do think he looks much <laughs> better now. And it is one of those rather annoying things where um, often, you know, I mean, you don't, ha- there isn't an equivalent, is there, to silver foxes for women? He's, no, he's turned into a silver so fox. I mean, he's got the shorter hair. It looks much better on him than that silly old mullet. He's, yeah. I'll tell you one thing, though, to be fair, his gait. The way he walks, it's got a touch of Joe Biden to it now. In other words, Victorian times have just gone back no, to his you know, gate. No, but do you know what I mean? He's got that slightly shuffling walk where you think, I don't want to fall over. That's the only thing, I think, that makes him look like that, an old man almost because facially he looks, he looks great. The last time anyone discussed a gate in that sense with me or their gate was me dance teacher, like, back <laughs> when I was a kid. Who the hell cares about his gate? Does nobody else use that word? Is it just Honestly, me? Now, we listen. should have arrived in petticoats, Steph. <laughs> and another thing I, I would say about it is, which again, I think this is the right decision. It's recorded in front of a studio audience in the way American sitcoms always were. But that's quite a bold decision these days. They haven't mm. made it filmic. They haven't gone out on locations. They're clearly performing, you know, in almost like a theatrical setting, mm. mainly in the apartment. And and you could easily imagine a group of people getting together and say, no, we mustn't do that. Not in 2023. We've got to make it like, you know, modern filmic television. But it's such a pleasure to be back in that world. It's sort and, of unashamedly to, and, exactly, retro, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Um, I've, got a little, I... I've got a little quiz for you both. So this oh, boy, it, it, it. it dates back to the heyday, you could say, of what you might call the industrialised American the industrial sitcom revolution. when they really oh, made a lot of episodes. So I'm going to name three different sitcoms from that era. One of them ran from 1994 to 2004 and had 236 episodes. Any guesses? Cheers. No. Friends. Yes. Yes, Mariella. Or are you just looking over at my piece of paper here? No, I'm not looking no, at your piece of enough. paper, but it's pretty obvious. Isn't oh, it? No, it's okay. So another one ran from 1993 to 2004, 264 episodes. Cheers. <laughs> Damn, I was going to say cheers, Steph. <laughs> Keep saying that. That was Frasier. And Frasier, and so the, the third one ran from 1982 to 1993 and was. 273 episodes. 1982, did you say? Uh, 1982 to 1993. Mm, 18. 273 episodes. Oh. Uh, Would you say it again, Steph? Just cheers. Cheers. Yes, cheers. Cheers. But I I guess the the, the, one thing I'm struck by is the sheer number of it, the productivity. They were like a kind of, you know, Henry Ford had been proud of it. This was industrial production of of sitcoms. Yeah, but Peter, you've got to uh, also mention the fact, which I think people in this country are often surprised by, is the number of writers that you have on a show like that that uh, for an American show. And, Mm. you know, we often try and copy American shows and can't understand quite why we can't pull it off. You'll know this from the programmes you've done. The commissioning of shows in this country, you get... you, you. you know, it's a kind of average of six episodes, isn't it? Whereas the, the commissioning in the States seems to be a lot bigger. And as you say, these I've got quite a few friends who are writers and their experience of, you know, writing in the UK 
versus when they sometimes go into writers' room in America is off the scale. It's like it's a it's like you say the it's a a whole industry out there where it's you know you, you might be on one episode you might only be on half an episode as you're writing. Whereas you know if you're doing something like Motherland, you're literally thinking about the whole thing from start to finish. Even though there might be people who are dominant in different episodes. So do they enjoy that? Which do they enjoy more? I think they enjoy both. I mean, I don't want to. Sp- speak too much for them I don't want to get them fired from anywhere basically but uh, <laughs> no names mentioned okay I think you have more ownership over UK stuff don't you so you you, you it feels more in your voice they're treated better and, and worse in America yeah and they're better they're better paid and the limousine picks them up in the morning and takes them to the studio but they're also treated worse because they're fired at a moment's notice mm. and they're completely dispensable but but I think it's also to pick up your point Steph it's at the commissioning end because yeah. so I give, give it a specific example uh the Vicar of Dibley was still running when I became the controller of BBC One. I mean, this is, uh, I'm not allowed to say this without Mariella finding me, but anyway. Right. I'm a bit short of cash yeah. this week. Yeah. The jar okay. is That's 50 empty. quid in the jar, 50 quid in the jar. Uh, and I remember Richard Curtis was behind the Vicar of Dibley. So I ring up Richard Curtis and say, we'd love some more episodes. And he sort of says, well, we were thinking of doing maybe a Christmas special and then we want to take a year off because I'm doing a movie and then we'll do another one the year after that. That's okay. And I said, oh, that's fine, Richard. Thank you very much. So we'll get two episodes in the next two years. Mm. In America, I'd be cracking a whip, you know, as the head of the network, but I'd have the money to force it to happen. Look, I guess it's that thing of, of you know, where our country, we're quite, you know, we're not great at long-termism. Are we? We're, we do everything in the short term and then we, we really... Uh, focus on ratings really early on and often we all know things can take time yeah. to, to bed in and grow but um i'm afraid to say uh, in the words that you just used uh, that's enough of that let's move on um <laughs> as it were um and um i wonder just before we do uh, it, it's getting the thumbs up from both of us isn't it fraser all three and of from us Steph, I, think. I, yeah, think. I think so yeah I just I don't love though. Just to come back yeah, to one thing. On. I don't love the the laughter in the studio element, like that kind of being told feel, when to laugh. Yeah, I always think it feels a bit tinny. But I mean, we have our audience on my show laughing, so I, I could be guilty of this as well. But it, I just, I always, I don't think it needs that anymore. It works on things like Mrs. Brown's Boys, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't love it. I think I might agree with you on that. I only noticed it by the time I got to about the third episode, so it clearly wasn't as intrusive as it might have been. But definitely when I got to, I think it was the third episode, I started thinking, oh, why is this here sort of yeah. thing? And maybe that's because by then I'd got into the characters and the stories and I just wanted the drama of it rather than uh, the being told, I hate being told what to do, as Peter will confirm. <laughs> the new series of Fraser is available from Friday the 13th of October on Paramount Plus, And we highly recommend you take a look. <laughs> 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We're now going to talk about a series that has already been talked a lot about and, and you could say has proved controversial before it was even broadcast. This is The Reckoning on BBC One starring Steve Coogan as... Jimmy Savile, it's a four-part drama, traces the life of Savile through his early years in the dance halls of Northern England, his career with the BBC. Savile's fateful big break at the BBC came in 1964 when he was made the first host of their new music format, Top of the Pops. I'm not an act. I'm just me. I'm Jimmy Savile. What you see is what you get. Well, that's, um, that's good to know. Thanks for coming in. Pleasure. We'll be in touch. Right, ladies, gentlemen. Good. I'll see you out, Jimmy. On we go. All right. What do you think? He's our man, definitely. So, this has proved controversial before it's even been out. Um, and I think it will continue to be so. Uh, I'd love to know, Steph, um, mm. is this something that's right to do, justified to do? Or is there an element of the BBC trying to have its cake and eat it here by, you, you know, having played a, a, a reprehensible role in enabling Jimmy Savile over all these years and now kind of wants to get a four-part drama out of it that shows they're on the right side of this? Of this. Yeah, interesting. It was, it was made, wasn't it, by ITV Studios as well to try and make sure it was balanced in that sense. I think for me, I mean, I had this... Um, kind of not row as much as debate with my partner about this, about watching it. And, um, you know, she really didn't want to because she thinks it's too soon. And my view is I want to hear from the victims. I felt like I've heard so much about him and these like heinous things he did, but I actually don't know a lot about who the people were, you know, and I've, I'm kind of, I'm halfway through the series and I, for example, didn't know about the, um, the girl who'd, the young school girl who'd killed herself um, after, you know, being basically raped by Jimmy Savile. I didn't know that. And I was like, what? And I didn't know anything about this girl. So I think from that perspective, drama is often the way we learn a lot about things, isn't it? Because sometimes, I know, I know we're all into t kind of true crime stuff now, but um, I think drama is a way of telling us a story and educating us just as much as it is about, and this sounds a bit weird word to use in this case, entertaining us. I, tot um, I totally agree. And I, I think I, I actually interviewed um, one of his victims uh, this week and she was very pro the series and she's actually features in it, as it were, and, and her story does. And she felt it was really important that, um, you know, kids especially got to see it. I couldn't help feeling that that was because 
she felt like I'm sure many of those other uh, survivors, should we say, rather than victims uh, of his horrendous crimes, uh, just haven't felt that they've had a voice at all. And this drama, you know, is, 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 is probably the first time they've had that opportunity. Like you, I'd never read the story of the 15-year-old schoolgirl who, who committed suicide. I mean, just the most tragic story, really. And, and last week, we were talking about the, the drama about Peter Sutcliffe, and, and we were actually saying that the great thing about it was the fact that it gave voice to mm. the, his victims, or the, the, the women he killed, whereas I, I think with this, it gives enormous voice to Jimmy Savile. I think it, it's sort of torn between presenting him as the sort of quirky eccentric that the whole nation revered him as, and presenting him as the heinous paedophile. Do you not think, though, that Maybe it's good that people see how he did it, though, as well, like how he won people over and just so that, you know, people can educate themselves on stopping it happening to them. I know what you mean, because he, he does, it, you know, it's, it is a lot about him. Um, and that do, you can do I do worry think Coogan is chilly. I mean, I find his several quite, you know, unbelievably plausible. And when he turns from the charming Savile mm. to the predator... Um, uh, every time, you know, I, I feel uncomfortable and I, I want to look away from the screen. It's, it's. Uh, I think the way that it's filmed, all the right decisions are made. I, I should say, by the way, that I, I've worked with uh, both Jeff Pope, the producer, and Neil Mackay, who wrote it. I, for instance, I worked with them on uh, a show called, uh, a series called Appropriate Adult at ITV, which was about Fred West and Rosemary West. And that was very controversial for obvious reasons for making that series. Um, uh, again, I th they did it so well that it dispelled the controversy. Mm. I, I think this is going to find it harder to dispel controversy because it's on the BBC. And as, yeah. as has been widely reported, it doesn't take the story up to when the BBC pulled the, invest, the Newsnight investigation to Jimmy Savile and decided instead to broadcast some tribute programmes to him a couple of months after he died. But it does show how he was facilitated because of the fact that he was providing audiences. And it does show that people knew what was going on but chose not to see it mm. and were complicit. I mean, I thought some of the creepiest scenes were that camper van that he kept parked oh, in, in the BBC yeah. car park. And, and, and drove thought, into Buckingham Palace at one point, yeah. literally through the front gate. And you gates thought, why did no one... You know, yeah, why, why did no one, anyone say anything? I, I just felt... Yeah, I felt soiled by the whole thing in a, in, in, yeah. in a really strange and discomforting way. And I, I agree with you that that it's probably important that we see it. And I don't think it does any harm. The only harm I think it might do is by, in some strange way, elevating Jimmy Savile again, even if it's as the perpetrator of terrible crimes. He's back in the spotlight, and yet it's the women who suffered. I, I, I just feel like I don't really want him to be the star of the show. And in and a way, because to, Steve Coogan does yeah, it yeah. so well, yeah. he is... The star of the show. To go back to your comparison, Mariella, with with the Long Shadow that we talked about last week, which weirdly is playing against it. I mean, they're, you know, they're on different channels in the same mm. night. In the Long Shadow, uh, you you scarcely see, or hitherto haven't seen Peter Sutcliffe at all. It's all about victims and investigation. Yeah. Here, um, you know, the truth is, Savile is absolutely central to it. Yeah. What do you think, Steph? Do you think 
there was another way of doing it that they chose mm. not to do? Yeah, that's a really good question because um, last week I interviewed uh, the son of one of Peter Sutcliffe's victims, the first uh, woman to be killed by him, Wilma McCann. And her son was on and it's blighted his entire life. You know, he's known as the, the you know, the son of a woman who was murdered. And obviously the, a lot of the language that was used about his mom was around her being a, a sex worker and things like that. And he said what was amazing for him in the drama was that his mum was shown as a mum, as someone who, and he said, now in his head, he's got a memory of being put to bed by his mum because he can't really remember it. And so he saw it on telly and he said, it's like for the first time, she was given like a human side to her. And he even fought for the tea, the producers not to put the, and he calls it the R word in. He's like, don't give him this glorified name mm. yeah yeah such a violent Call name and everything else yeah. and you're right whereas if you compare that to how the savile drama is done it is very much about him isn't it yeah and yeah there is the victims well and some of them are are there but the, there is a massive difference of course uh uh you, you know peter sutcliffe you, you know when he was caught and obviously sent to prison for life was nothing more than a multiple murderer with Jimmy Savile, the starting point is a national treasure. That's the trouble, I think, again, with this series, because it just elevates him back again to a position of fame, notoriety. And I think one of the most chilling things about it is that we keep thinking those things wouldn't happen now. Mm. But but what, what is illustrated constantly with all of those stories, and, you know, it is still ongoing, is the fact that fame and power do seem to allow people to get away with the worst possible behaviour. One of the things I do think it does very well, and I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I take all your points uh, about why we're doing this now, is the way he built up these barriers around him, the barrier of charity work, the barrier of working in hospitals, the barrier of being a Catholic. Mm. It's like a carefully constructed kind of, you know, armour that made it harder to attack him. I think the series does that very well. I totally you, you agree with it. you, but what I think it doesn't do is 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 tell me whether or not he did that that he did that consciously he constructed that or whether there are two sides which you know I mean human beings are very complex creatures were there two sides of him at war with each other I mean you know I'm also interested I feel slightly shortchanged I feel like I want to know more about the the victims I also feel like I want to understand better the psychology of this monster and I'm not sure that I got either uh, from mm. this program. So but maybe I think it was we... the wrong voice, the wrong author in mm. this. Yeah, whether mm. it could have been from the victims or from someone looking at it from a psych psychological point of view. Yeah. And also the, the guy who plays his son, Robert Ems, his adopted son, is a, is a very good friend of mine. And I forgot he was my friend in it as well because he's so creepy in it. And, you is know, that his Bob... assistant guy? No, yeah, yeah, oh, like you know, so his adopted creepy. son, yeah, the one yeah. he, he, he makes, yeah. call, yeah. makes him call calls him father, father which is a kind of religious yeah. thing. Well, look, yeah. we should we should move on. Uh, but the reckoning is on Monday nights at nine o'clock on on BBC One, or of course, the, all all the episodes are available now uh, on the iPlayer. I think it's always going to divide people, um, but uh, it, well, if whatever else, there's a compelling performance from Steve Coogan there, um, who brings home the the full horror of Jimmy Seville. Five years after its last outing on Channel 5, 
Big Brother is back. This time it's on ITV with spin-off shows on ITV2, a live stream via ITVX. And if that's not enough Big Brother for you, you can also get the Big Brother app. 16 housemates, tasks, weekly evictions, you know the drill. One at a time, housemates must rank each other in order of most to least, according to a variety of categories. That category will only be revealed at the end of each round. First up, it's Jenkin, who has to rank his fellow housemates from most to least intelligent. Peter, I don't know where to start with this, but you know that I'm not crazy about the old format situation. And obviously there is no more formatted show in a way uh, than Big Brother. So much so that they haven't stepped away from it at all, have they, with this new series? Uh well, when you say format, I mean, do, do you mean reality show? I mean, this is Big Brother is the original reality show. It predates Love Island, obviously. It predates I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, and many others. What about Castaway? So it doesn't pre- <laughs> that's a very good point. It doesn't predate Castaway, which when I was at BBC, we tried to bring back and it didn't really work. That is a unnecessary, <laughs> completely unnecessary reference. Uh, because the, why didn't it work? Because Big Brother had come along in the meantime and said, this is the way to do it. Um, uh, so I'm going to pass the buck here. Steph, uh, were you a Big Brother fan and are you a new Big Brother fan? I am probably like uh, a Big Brother, a come and go on Big Brother. Absolutely massive when it first started because it was so different. And I think... That was before people went on reality TV to be famous, wasn't it? It was when it was like it really did feel like a science experiment then. And it and you felt like you were seeing really authentic characters, not characters who've like, I don't know, exaggerated themselves or been created because they know that that's what's going to make them uh, get get a slot on the show or whatever. So I really loved it back in the day when, you know, when your Craig Phillips won, the builder, the scouse builder, or, you, you, you know. Nasty Nick. Lawless, Do you remember Nasty yeah. Nick? Nasty Nick. We all, oh, I mean, and also re- reading the papers alongside watching Big Brother then, it was like a national uh, thing we were all going through. And then I went off it because then it just felt too formulaic. Um, I, I was really keen to see this series though. I love AJ Dudu. And um, I just thought, given it's had a break for a few years, I'm, I was re- I was really hopeful for it. But the thing that got my go on the first episode was it being pre-recorded. Yes. Because I Well, actually, I apart love... from the last bit, they did do a bit of live yes. later on. Yeah. But, but the I beginning, c- couldn't agree I more. Just, because the reason why is, like, I, I totally love the show, but it was because I love live TV when people are not edited and people might trip up going up the stairs where they might see their mum and it's the first time they've seen the mum and an audience on a stage. So like, ah, yeah, yeah, you know, I love all that because I think that's when you genuinely see what someone's personality is like. And I wanted that for the first bit because I wanted to decide then who who I was going to like. And so I felt like that was missing and it felt too polished. And and I, I get why they did it in terms of it's such a big opening to a show. And because they did it, it meant they had more time for kind of stuff at the end. But for me, I was like, oh, deviled. I really wanted to see someone trip up the stairs and like scream at the mom and, you know, and, and stuff like well, that. Well, it's a miracle you didn't see someone trip up the stairs because every single woman in it is expected to wear like seven inch stilettos <laughs> yeah, and, true. and barely walk up the steps. And it, I thought the real shame was that there were some really interesting characters I thought Farida, the 50-year-old makeup artist from Wolverhampton. I thought Tom, the Somerset butcher who doesn't like meat. And I was really interested (laughs) in them. But the idea of watching them 
in that setup with those stupid instructions from Big Brother and everything. I'm just allergic to them. But to, to come back to, I, I want to come back to your point, Steph, the very early Big Brother, they mm. came on and they, in a sense, um, uh, you, you know, they were unselfconscious and they, they were well cast and brilliant characters. Surely there is no way back to that pre-lapsarian world of unselfconsciousness well, in reality see, television. They've all thought through very carefully what their mm. shtick is, what their USP so, is, and how yeah. it will appeal to the audience. But and I think what can we do about it? So I think, therefore, it's that, and this probably plays to what Mariella's point is, the format needs to be different. So, for example, if you take The Traitors, The Traitors was incredibly amazing to watch and obviously dead successful because yes those people knew they were going to be on telly in a reality setting but because they had no idea what they were going to be put through they they couldn't prepare for it could they so you I think you saw real authenticity in people then and that's why it did so well because you really knew and then you would put yourself in that situation of going god how would I react to that and that was the success of the traitors was it just it changed, you know, it was something totally unpredictable. Yeah, the the thing now, now with that series is, is it going to be able to do it again when you now know what happens? Yeah, yes. and everything feels, you know, I mean, superficial. They don't feel like people who have been, you know, catapulted into a strange environment and they're going to have to, you know, give, live or die in that environment. They feel like people who've been sort of honed into a sort of showbiz module and, you know, they've, they've all... I, I, I just felt like it felt really fake. And although there were characters there that I would really be interested in in sort of seeing evolve over the series, I don't want to watch them in that environment. Well, I, I mean, I think I would say very early to judge. So, so yeah. you know, the, the, we'll know in a two or three weeks. I mean, one of the interesting things about this is it was a Channel 4 show, then it was a Channel 5 show, not very successfully and not for very long. And now it's an ITV show. This is its third, it's you know, crazy. channel. Mm. And this, the launch show was on ITV1, ITV2, ITVX. They were blitzing it, knowing that the the audience will, you know, go down and find whatever the core audience is. But there will also be new viewers who don't remember the original Big Brother. We we can True. all look at through the, the lens of having seen it back in 2000. But True. the ITV will know that there will be people who've got none of this baggage and just think, wow, this is different. And yeah, yeah. it's fake. Maybe it always was fake, but maybe you know, as the conflicts start developing and people fall in and fall out, you know, you ask me, will I be spending every waking hour between now and Christmas watching this? I'm going to be completely honest. I don't think I will mm. be. It's a commitment. That's the thing it, these days as well. Well, as well I, I like I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Yeah. I always think that's a nice holiday in the jungle, uh, sort of at the end of November when you, you when nothing much is going on in your life. And, and the you weather's give, really the bad. The weather's rubbish here. Mm. And you can give a couple of weeks to watching them all. In the, and they're all celebrities. So you start from vaguely knowing who they are. Big Brother won't displace that, which is, by the way, also an ITV from my point of view. But I think what I'm saying is, I, I t I'm not disagreeing with anything you say, Mariella. That would I think be foolish. I, I never dare do that. <laughs> I, think it, I think it's way too early to write this off. The people I know from the world, people who worked on Big Brother and been Big Brother watchers over the years, I kind of went into you know to my office the day after and said, "What do you think of it?" They were very positive about it. Mm. They said, "Yeah, well, you see, my, they my they family they are right. as well." Yeah, We're, on the family WhatsApp, everyone was talking about it. Good that, characters, you know, and have I, been, they love exactly. AJ. 
They like I, yeah, I like I AJ. AJ. I don't like the bloke so much. I can't remember his name. The, the male Best. presenter. Yeah, I don't know him, but I thought he did a good job. I, and AJ, oh my god, I just spent half of it going, "How did she get in that outfit?" Yeah, that yeah, me Did too. she get in, or did they it, kind of spray it on her? It's quite extraordinary, isn't it? I know. I interviewed Kermit at the Oxford Union wearing Kermit a green Kermit the Frog where he addressed the Oxford Union I was his interviewer and I wore a green rubber dress in homage to because he was an early he was an early environmentalist wasn't he Kermit that's what he was addressing the union <laughs> about is this, is so this on saying, YouTube Mariella? I'm saying rubber Should we point our it, listeners to, wa- to watch this I'm saying rubber is a good choice for any occasion. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but no, I think Big Brother will do well, though. And, you know, you've seen it's got the best. It's For 10 years, it's had the best viewers, hasn't it, ratings and stuff. I think one thing they're clearly doing is positioning it as differently as they can from Love Island. So, mm. you know, Love Island had a fantastic kind of run and then started having problems and people worried about objectification and and you know so many different things about love island so they're basically saying this definitely isn't love island yeah i don't like the idea of not booing though they're not going to allow booing when people come out are they the house well they should they should make it raucous and untamed i i agree with you the first episode being largely pre-recorded it all seemed quite polite to me but I don't think there should be booing. I think there's enough nastiness in the world, for heaven's sakes, without booing at people who've just gone and lived in a house for a few weeks and, you know, acted up a bit. I just think less booing, more loving. Uh, that's my word. Um, Big Brother. Yeah, on that <laughs> sentimental note. Big Brother is on ITV2 and ITVX, Sunday to Friday. Oh, my goodness, they really are laying it on. Uh, from 9 till 10pm, followed every night by Big Brother, late and live, if you haven't had enough already. I suspect... Steph and I will not be tuning in. Peter might check it out again. Um, but we'll that, do have that, to... that schedule doesn't intimidate Steph. Steph knows all about demanding schedules. She presents a brilliant daily live show on Channel 4, Steph's Packed Lunch. And we should be saying to our listeners, watch that uh, because, because you'll, you'll love it. Uh, and we should say thank you very much to Steph McGovern. You're a very busy person with your own podcast, your daily show. You found time to come and be a guest um, and listen to me and Mariela. Bicker. Yeah. Bicker. Do I get the 150 quid? Who gets that from You and I get to go out next time you're in London and spend it all all on uh, super expensive beverages of our choice. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Steph. You've been a brilliant guest. We've got so much good stuff in the offing for next week that I think we're going to have to spend the entire week in our bedrooms uh, looking at the small screen, Peter. Separately. Naturally. Just checking. (laughs) And we're going to be joined by Richard Curtis, the man behind Four Weddings, Notting Hill, Love Actually, Blackadder, The Vicar of Dibley. Oh, and the small matter of comic relief. Uh, What he doesn't know about good telly is probably not worth knowing, is it, Peter? We'll find out. So thanks for listening. Thanks again to Steph McGovern for being such a fantastic guest. If you've enjoyed the show, please do follow Have You Seen wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, see you next week. See you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.